We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. A special guest uh, with us covers the San Francisco 49ers for The Athletic. Uh, I think he's our most frequented guest uh, on the <laughs> yeah. show. I'm, I'm pretty sure since they play twice a year. We have the homie Matt Barrows. Matt, what up? What up, guys? Thanks for having me on again. Oh, no problem. No problem. We love it uh, every time. I'm going to give give a shout-out to Matt uh, for uh, grinding out uh, a book amid covering a team that went to the Super Bowl. Uh he wrote, If These Walls Could Talk, San Francisco 49ers, stories from San Francisco 49ers sideline, locker room, and press box. And I'm really glad Matt was able to, to get it out. I remember seeing him um, <laughs> Monday Night Football Week 10 last year. Just He told me told me about the book, and I'm like, man, well, I think the Niners might have been undefeated at the time. It's like, dude, you're, about to co- you're covering the team that's probably going to win the Super Bowl, and you got a book deadline around the same time. Uh, Matt, how in the world did you pull that off last season? Yeah, um, you probably saw a big frown on my face <laughs> when, you, when you saw me in the Levi's uh, uh, press box there. I, I mean, I think I was trying to crank out, I don't know, 10,000, 20,000 words a month at that point. I, you know, I was trying to get a big chunk of it done before Christmas. The uh, the deadline was early February, which, of course, is when the, the Super Bowl was. So I would never recommend, Mike, writing a book during a Super Bowl season. You know, you can't always... <laughs> can't always predict it, but uh, you know the 49ers were coming off a, uh, a four and twelve season, so I figured, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna have all of January, of some of February. I'm, uh, no, no problem with this book; <laughs> it's gonna be easy. <laughs> well, uh, I remember. I mean, now that it's done, I'm glad I did it. But I remember during the season, during the writing of it, I kept saying to myself, "What a stupid mistake you made." <laughs> agreeing to do this book because it was hard to do because it's not just writing it it's calling people it's getting them on the phone which is always like 85 percent of the of the work 
transcribing it all, and then uh, doing the writing part of it. So it was uh, it was quite a bit of work. What's something maybe interesting or unique that you you've covered this team for forever? But you know, what did you maybe learn about the team doing all the research for the book? Well, I mean, th- this pertains to the Seahawks as, as much as any team, but, uh, you know, the 49ers, so basically the book is this century of the 49ers, so the, the 21st century, basically the span that I've been covering this team, and I don't know if there's a team that's been as up and down as the 49ers. They've, they've been to two Super Bowls in that span, and they've also had two two-win teams in that span. Um, so it, it, it's been just a real roller coaster ride these these past twenty years, and you know, one of the, the takeaways is that if you've got stability in your front office, uh, which the 49ers did not have under Jim Harbaugh and Trent Baalke, uh, but the but the Seahawks seem to have, um, and obviously also stability at the at the QB spot, that that allows you to sustain. I mean, you can sort of. Uh, uh, absorb the, the the blows of uh, you know losing guys and retirements and free agency uh, this that and the other if you've got that sustainability if you've got that constancy at other areas of your organization. Yeah, I, I assume so. If you covered this the this century of it, you revisited the Seahawks 49ers rivalry. Obviously, in the we're in the middle of the new version now, but maybe revisited the one with with Colin and Russ at the forefront of it. If you did kind of. What was fun about maybe revisiting those battles in, like, the early 2010s? Well, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I can't believe I, I almost forgot to talk about this. But, you know, I was up in the press box for that epic 2013 championship game where Richard Sherman, you know, just went ape, you know what, on on Michael Crabtree and, and Colin Kaepernick at the end and on Aaron Andrews <laughs> afterwards. And, and that always sort of colored my um, perception of him. I, I just thought that was just the weirdest reaction um, that, you know, he had the, the 49ers beaten and, he, you know, he, he slapped Crabtree on the butt and he flashed the, the choke sign at, um, at, at Kaepernick and he had to sort of be restrained on the sideline. So I sat down with him and I said, you know, what was that all about? What's the backstory there? Why all that animus towards Michael Crabtree? And he walked me through it. And it goes back to uh, that off season. There was a, uh, a charity softball game that Larry Fitzgerald always throws in, in Arizona. And uh, I, I don't want to uh, spoil it all, but there was a confrontation there between Crabtree and Sherman. Mm. And as you know, Mike, <laughs> Sherman does not... <laughs> Let go of these things, and and a lot of a lot of times Sherman sort of you know I, I found can kind of concoct uh, reasons to, to resent somebody or hate somebody. This was not concocted. This was real, and uh, I documented it in this book. So if you're curious about that, uh, it's all in there. Um, there's some ancillary stuff about that game too. Uh, one, one of the better games, I think everybody agrees, um, uh, of this century in the NFL. I mean, that was just. That was Greeks and Trojans in the Trojan War. That was a battle. Uh, so that's revisited, and there's some kind of extra stuff thrown in there. Before we get to some football, on each preview, we do like to bring up social justice and what other teams have done. We, Pete Carroll earlier, this right before the season started, basically went out and called out white people to educate themselves and, listen, and to listen to the message that black people have been screaming for such a long time. And I was wondering what the 49ers as an organization or a few players, if anyone has stood out and tried to make a change and have 
what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan did the same thing with, with the same message that it's not uh, okay to just be silent anymore. That um, you know, white people, um, allies have to uh, stand up and, and and be heard this year. And he, and he was very um, eloquent and, and moving when he said that. Um, Eric Armstead probably has been the most um, uh, talkative of, of all the 49ers on this. He begins every one of his uh, press outings, his, his Zoom interviews, by talking about social justice issues, different topics and whatnot. Uh, so he's been quite vocal about it. Um, and then the, the 49ers are also opening up Levi's Stadium as a, uh, as a voting center uh, that, that starts on Halloween October 31st and, and runs through the election. So uh, anybody in this county, Santa Clara County, can go by and, and drop their, their ballots off, which I think is a big deal because uh, Santa Clara County has had a ton of early voting. Um, and uh, we all know what uh, the, the state that U.S. Postal Service is in right now, undermanned. Uh, so they're being taxed by all the, the ballots that are in the mail right now. So dropping off your ballot um, you know, c- can be a big deal. Uh, especially if you wanted counted before November 3rd. So all of those initiatives, I, I think, have been helpful. Um, but like I said, I think uh, Eric Armstead has probably led the way for San Francisco. And didn't Eric Armstead have a role in regards to the uh, the 49ers announcing recipients for $1 million social justice grant that was given out early in September as well? Yeah, um, he is one of the, the, the players who basically chose the recipients, and uh, obviously there are a lot of wor- worthy ones around here. And that's something that was started by Colin Kaepernick, really, um, sort of uh, figuring out uh, different groups that, that could use a boost, that could use money that are doing good in the community. So Eric Armstead has, has sort of taken that that mantle, that role that, that Colin Kaepernick had uh, when he was here, and uh, he, he's doing a lot with it. Yeah, I was going to ask about Colin because, I mean, one of the biggest topics of the summer and continues to be is police violence. And it's something obviously Colin brought up, you know, very publicly in 2016. In covering all of, of this, Matt, has it has there been anything unique to it because you're covering the team that had uh, Colin on it? Yeah, you know, sadly, you know, those teams have, uh, there's been so much turnover that there's there's hardly anybody who shared a locker room with Colin Kaepernick anymore here um, you know, I, I was thinking about Ka- Kaepernick the other day because he came out in the same draft as as Cam Newton. Uh, Cam was the, the number one pick in that uh, draft, and, and Colin was taken early in, in the second round. But they've always been very similar uh, in terms of their stats, in terms of what they do well. I remember that draft. Uh, you know, Newton had a strong arm, but they, they kind of measured the mile per hour. Uh, of when these uh, would-be rookies were, were throwing that year at the Combine. And, and Colin Kaepernick's arm ended up being a little bit stronger. He was throwing the ball with more velocity. And uh, like I said, I mean, they, they've had sort of similar careers. Uh, took their teams to the playoffs. Uh, neither guy was, you know, uh, was all that accurate through around 60% completion rate. Um, and, of course, uh, have had success in the playoffs. But, you know, one guy is a starter in this league, and the other guy can't find a job. And Cam Newton did not look good at all on Sunday in, in the loss to the 49ers, one of the worst games I've ever seen from him. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, this, this is a topic that's been brought up time and again, but it just raises, you know, if, if Cam Newton's the starting quarterback, why isn't 
Colin Kaepernick a starting quarterback. I mean, he, uh, he he can lead any of these teams. He'd be good on Dallas right now. He'd be good on uh, a, a number of teams. There, there's no reason, really, why he shouldn't be in this league. Yeah, Dallas. Who else? The Bears would probably win their could could probably win their division if they. Yeah, had I was thinking Colin. that last night too. <laughs> yeah, no. Anytime I watch Nick Foles, I think about Colin Kaepernick. I'm like, what's going on here? How's this guy on my TV in prime time right now? Yeah, um, Colin Kaepernick plus that Bears defense. All of a sudden, you're looking at a team that nobody wants to face mm. in, in November and December. Right, especially if you got to go to Chicago. <laughs> go to Chicago <laughs> in uh, in January. At all, December for that for that matter. Um, speaking of the, the current uh, 49ers team that just beat up on, um, they got Cam Newton benched. I think probably for the yeah. first time in his career, like ever in life, probably Cam's been been benched. How in the world are the Niners still beating the crap out of teams with I don't know. I have to guess what thirty healthy bodies. Like they got to be the most injured team in the league, and they're still winning by double digits. Yeah, they've got. Uh... 14 guys on IR oh. with uh, a couple more set to go on. So they've got a huge IR list. Um, that, that defensive line, the secondary, was, uh, you know, beat up for that game against the Patriots. And, um, you know, one of the reasons is that Kyle Shanahan is, is good at, at sort of masking uh, gaps in, 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 the, in the team. He did it last year. They were without their starting tackles for a while, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey. And he did a good job kind of game planning around that. Uh, you know, George Kittle missed some games. Kyle Juszczyk missed some games last year. Uh, and the other part, I think, is that the, the offensive line has kind of found its footing. Uh, they replaced Joe Staley with uh, Trent Williams in the in the off season. Staley retired in, in April, and basically the same day they, they traded for, for Williams. Um, they've got a new guy at right guard, Daniel Brunskill. And, and, you know, given the COVID situation and the kind of uh, – disjointed nature of the offseason it, it, it took a while for that group to settle in but I, I think they have and um, they basically done everything around their running game I mean it's a very effective running game and when you run as well as the 49ers do um, the the passing game comes naturally so I think that's been the key these last two weeks that's going to be a challenge having said that because Debo Samuel is basically part of their running attack even though he's a wide receiver um, he, he caught eight passes against the Rams. Every one of them was behind the line of scrimmage, and uh, he had a lot of yards in that game. So he's basically uh, basically been an extension of that uh, very powerful, very blue-collar uh, attack, uh, but he's not going to be on hand for this game. So they've got to find a, a replacement there. Uh, they've got to find a way to, to keep rolling, but uh, that's been sort of a, the theme this year rolling despite all these injuries yeah i think I, I think i tweeted it like week three like the jets and the giants are both very bad right but yeah. i mean with the injuries that the niners had at the time they still smoked both those teams in a similar fashion they would have probably fully healthy just maybe a little bit more points on offense but still they put up 30 balls even again against the patriots just smoked a team that uh you know seattle you know, went down to the wire against. Um, with that said, though, this the upcoming schedule is a little tougher. You know, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, got to face the Rams again. You know, see see Josh Allen. Uh, how confident are you in um, Shanahan's ability to kind of mask the mask the issues that they have against a tougher slate of opponents? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, I, I think they've got to start scoring in, in the thirties pretty regularly in order to. Uh, win some of these games, um, and 
and, and they have uh, at times. You mentioned the, the Giants and the Jets games. Um, you know, we keep waiting for the, the defense to fall apart. Uh, you know, no Nick Bosa, no D Ford. Solomon Thomas is out for the season. DeForest Buckner's been traded. It does not look anything like the defensive line of last year, and they're not performing anything like that. And, and that was the, the real key to last season for them. Um, but they're still doing a good job. I mean, defensively, they rank really high in the league, and uh, we keep sloughing it off to, oh, well, they're not playing very good uh, offenses. And, and that's true, but, you know, one of the reasons they're not playing very good offenses is because they're making those offensive players look bad. They, like, like you noted, they chased Cam Newton out of a game. They handed Bill Belichick his worst home loss in the history of Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So they're doing something right, and, and this actually may be a better coaching job uh, for Robert Sala than he did even last year because that defense was, was full of talent. This one is, is missing it. There's not going to be any Richard Sherman for this game. It could be without Jimmy Ward and Joukowsky Tart. They're starting safeties, so they've got a lot of pressure on them, uh, but somehow they've been able to hold down the fort uh, despite all those missing pieces. You mentioned the banged-up defensive line. How has Kyle Shanahan and the defense, how have they restocked that D-line? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They've basically been, been playing defensive tackles at defensive end. I mean, they've got a, a team full of these tweener types. I mean, it's a, it's a very aggressive defensive line, so they're playing, you know, upfield all the time. So they're drafting uh, defensive tackles who are, you know, 280, 285 pounds. And so they do have some movement skill. But, um, you know, most of those guys are having to play defensive end. So basically they're only – true defensive end, their only true edge rusher is Deion Jordan. And he has not looked all that good at all. Um, they're really lacking in that department, which, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, that, that you know, if they're going to make a trade, it's going to be for an edge rusher. It's going to be for a defensive end. And, and they did bring one in, Jordan Willis, from the Jets. Uh, not a household name. Um, but, uh, frankly, they, they just don't have any cap space to, to do this. I mean, all of the my colleague uh, David Lombardi calls them microtransactions. Every time you bring a guy up off of uh, the practice squad and whatnot, all these IR moves that the 49ers are, are having to do, it's not a lot of money, but it adds up over time. And, and they, basically they, 
they're they're literally in the in the thousands uh, as far as salary cap space. I mean, they they don't have the space to make any big moves, and I don't know what Seattle's uh, uh, salary cap situation is, but it, it sounds like the the two teams are in the same boat as far as just needing real bodies on on the edge of the defenses. I want to ask you about Dre Greenlaw because he's been, I would say, based on. Well, we saw last season he was someone that was highly regarded to play really well. How has he looked based on everything that's going on with injuries? How has he looked this season? He's looked great. I mean, uh, Quan Alexander just went down with a, a high ankle sprain. He's another uh, starter who's injured, and, and Greenlaw took over just like he did last year and um, looks excellent. I mean, uh, Dre Greenlaw is a really good tackler, which you think, oh, he's a linebacker. Of course he's a good tackler. Well, in this NFL, that's that's actually uh, saying something. Uh, he's uh, he, he's one of the more tackle-efficient players, I should say, uh, in the NFL. So um, he's been just a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, the fifth round for the 49ers, which is where they drafted Greenlaw last year, has been a goldmine for this team. That's where they got George Kittle. That's where they got uh, DJ Reed, who's now on the – on the Seahawks roster, I think the 49ers are regretting uh, releasing him. Uh, but uh, the, the fifth round has been the money round in San Francisco the last few years. And the reason why I brought him up, people are probably wondering, like, what does, why would you even mention Drake Greenlaw? Well, if you guys remember last season against the 49ers, Seahawks and 49ers, Russell Wilson threw his first, well, that was his first career interception for Drake Greenlaw. He picked off Russell Wilson. And I remember just, wow, this kid's going to be special. And you just mentioned him being a fifth rounder. And he's, you know, living up for the most part to expectations. So I just wanted to hear how he's doing, especially got his first pick on Russell Wilson. Is that was pretty, pretty? I'm pretty sure, pretty big deal for him last season. He also got the uh, the big hit on Hollister at the end of the, the oh, that, seventeen game. So, that is true uh, as well. Yeah, he, he hit Seattle twice last year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, scouting report. Stop. <laughs> stay away from Greenlaw. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, I want to Matt get you to my favorite question that I'm sure I've asked you before on the show, but we just got to it's it, it's got to come up every time now. I feel like because the answer is going to change. Is Jimmy Garoppolo good? <laughs> yeah, he's good. Uh, is he great? Uh, that that I think is the is the question. And, and <laughs> you know, with every NFL fan base, unless you're great, unless you're you know Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, uh, you know, it, it depends on the week. People are calling for your job unless you're throwing four TDs and 400 yards. And so uh, that hasn't happened recently. Uh, Garoppolo is coming off a, 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 his own high ankle sprain, and uh, Shanahan has been basically protecting him with uh, with this offense. A lot of very short passes. I just mentioned the Debo Samuel stuff. You probably saw it in that in that Sunday night game against the Rams a, a few weeks ago. But um, they're not asking him to do a whole lot. I'm not sure he's capable of doing it. So far, it's been working. But like I said, you know, with, with the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints coming up on the schedule, uh, he, he might have to get into some shootouts here. And so, uh, you know, the, the question is, does the, do the 49ers have a downfield offense for him? And is his ankle healthy enough to really kind of give it a workout, uh, push the ball downfield, which, uh, which has been an issue in recent weeks? 
How much of what I thought Kyle Shanahan was really brilliant on the Sunday night game. I, I that was the first time I got to really sit down and watch um, outside of the Philly game. But I don't know if he played in that. Uh, and I was just inc- amazed. I was like, both of these coaches don't trust their quarterback to do anything really, but they're both moving the ball really well how much of Kyle Shanahan doing that is just physical limitations with Jimmy just as a talent and then physical limitations in terms of health with the ankle I think for that game it was very ankle related I mean it, it's his right ankle so it's it's the foot that he pushes off of um he's just not able to drive it down the field um you know the other part of it is that you know Debo Samuel is coming off of a foot injury he wasn't available the first three weeks of the season uh, Brandon Ayuk is a rookie. He's he's only recently started to kind of uh, uh, shine, and they don't really have a lot there after that. I mean, uh, the re- receiving core, uh, you know, despite uh, a lot of draft picks in recent years, isn't all that prolific. So uh, I don't know if they can go downfield if they wanted to. I mean, that's why they traded for Emmanuel Sanders at this point last season, and then you know basically rented him for half a year, and now he's with the Saints. So. Um, you know, it, again, it's going to be a big question mark without Samuel how that passing game is going to work. George Kittle obviously is going to be a big part. Uh, I mentioned Ayuk. He's getting better and better each week. But after that, it's pretty slim. Uh, so, you know, there's no Raheem Mostert. There's no Kevin Coleman. There's no Jeff Wilson who had over 100 yards this past week. Uh, so, uh, again, the, the 49ers are kind of scrounging around, reaching to the very bottom of their hat uh, to pull out guys. And so far it's worked, but uh, yeah, at, at some point there's not going to be anything left. You mentioned Brandon Ayuk and his big game against the Patriots. How big was that for him confidence-wise and Shanahan and the team just showing, okay, this kid, he can definitely bring something and we're going to use him? Yeah, I mean, last year, uh, this was the time of year that they, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. And, and you saw Garoppolo, you saw the passing attack take a, a, a big leap. So I think the fact that Ayuk had this game right around the same time is encouraging for the 49ers. That, you know, he, he, he's their deep threat. Uh, he's got speed. He's, he's a good all-around player. He's got great balance. Uh, he's good after the catch. He's not quite the wrecking ball that, that Debo Samuel is with, with the ball in his hands, but similar. Uh, so the, the, the fact that he's starting to come into his own now I think is good, but again, uh, that he, he's all there is. I mean, um, Kendrick Bourne is, is good. Uh, Dante Pettis is on the trade block. He's been inactive, healthy scratch the last three weeks. So uh, they really don't have anything at that position beyond Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel, and now Samuel's out at least uh, two weeks with a hamstring strain. Well, I was going to ask about Dante Pettis, but there you have it. He's on the trading block and has been inactive for the last few games. I have nothing else on that regard from the receivers group. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know he's a he's a Husky and you guys are following him, but uh, he could probably be had for a seventh-round pick if, if uh, the Seahawks are interested. I don't know if John <laughs> Schneider is turning, tuning into your pod, but uh, if he is, that's uh, that's probably the deal that would swing it. Uh, I want to get into this division a little bit. It's easily the best division in football. Like It's disgusting how good everyone is in different ways. Arizona and, uh, Arizona and Seattle are getting it done with their quarterbacks and big play receivers, and then I would say the Rams and the Niners are getting it by with the offensive wizardry of their – their head coaches. Um, just in general, can the can the Niners you think repeat 
in winning this division based on how they're currently constructed? Yeah, I mean, they're in last place right now, despite their, their winning record. So, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a long shot. I mean, when, when they play well, they play really well. Um, you know, my, my whole take when, when people ask me is that they've got a, a week 11 bye, so uh, they'll have played 10 games before they go into the bye. And if they're 5-5 five and five at the bye, which I think is reasonable, they're 4-3 and three right now, and then they start to get some of these guys back, which which they should, like Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, um, uh, Jordan Reed, the tight end. I think having Jordan Reed plus George Kittle um, would be a real advantage for them. But if they're five and five to buy, and they have these reinforcements come in at that point, then then they've got something. I mean, uh, I think that they would have uh, a, a real sense, a real uh, confidence going into that that final month of the season that maybe they don't win the division, but they get into the playoffs and then they can do some damage because, like I said, they, they run the ball well and they play not lights-out defense, but they play sound defense. And that's, you know, the Chiefs showed last year that, that that's enough. You can win a Super Bowl with uh, just having a, a, a merely good defense if your offense, you know, just like the, like the Seahawks, if your offense can uh, be relied upon for, for 30 points a game. So... I don't think winning the division, you know, certainly being the number one seed in the playoffs like they were last year is all that realistic. But I think getting into the playoffs is, is certainly realistic. Uh, it would be nice if all four NFC West teams got in. I don't, I don't, I think that's mathematically possible this year, but probably the NFC South is going to have two representatives as well. So it might just be three or four teams. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm not ruling out at all four teams from the NFC West getting in. It, I think some, yeah, someone ultimately would probably be the, the, the odd team out. But man, everyone's looking very just competent right now, winning in like fairly sustainable ways. The Seahawks are a little iffy, and the Niners are too in that regard. We'll, we'll see what happens uh, on, on Sunday. One more thing before we get into our prediction segment of the show. How did the Niners just revamp Jason Verrett? Yeah, he's he's looked really special. Um, you know, the the answer is that he, he came back last year and he had a cameo appearance in week three. He played, I want to say, four snaps, and he got burned on a deep ball for a touchdown on on one of them. And everybody had just threw their hands in the air. They were finished with Jason Perrett. This guy's terrible, and he went on IR uh, because it was clear that he wasn't quite back from a knee injury, but. He, he stuck with it, and, and that's the thing with Jason Verrett. He stuck through it throughout all of these injuries, which have been nonstop since uh, the 2016 season. Um, and by the end of the year, he was rehabbing, and he started to get his speed back, um, his, his mile per hour, the, the little device that they have in their shoulder pads was showing him up you know, 20, 21, almost 22 miles an hour, and that really gave him confidence. And that, that kept building throughout the off season, and uh, you know he went into this year as healthy as he's been, and you, you you can literally see it from game to game. He gets a little more confident. He makes more plays on the ball. He takes more risks. He had a great interception against the Rams. You probably saw um, uh, week after week. So it's really a great story. I mean, if if it wasn't for Alex Smith out in Washington, um, you know, Jason Verrett would be a really great candidate for comeback player of the year. Just, you know, 
it's been one thing after another. Achilles, ACL, this, that, and the other for Jason Brett, but he's, he's starting to look like his former self. Yeah, that's been a uh, crazy. I didn't even realize, like, uh, this is how much out of touch I was with the Niners. I didn't realize he was, like, starting for the Niners until the Sunday night game. And I was like, that dude's still doing it? Man, he's got some he, He's got some talent. Uh, I mean, Russ is going to challenge him, so we'll see how that goes on Sunday. But, yeah, he's definitely hold, holding it down uh, over there on the outside. It's, it's prediction time. Uh, we are going to start with our over-under before we get into the game prediction itself. This week we are going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo passing yards. Um, if we were a little bit nerdier, we would do like a, how many times he throws beyond the line of scrimmage, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, we'll just go with the with the raw number there. The Seahawks, I think, are giving up 360-plus yards per oh, game. Wow. Yeah, I think it's the worst in the league by a mile. Um, it's oh, Atlanta's right behind. Uh, the yeah, yeah, actually, no, not by a mile because the Falcons are a thing. Um, so, but I think it's like those two, and I think Jacksonville's bad too. But anyway, um, so we'll we'll put it at I'll go three ten and a half over under for Jimmy G Sunday. What you got? Um, I'm gonna go under, Ooh. and it's not necessarily a slam on Jimmy G, just the fact that. 49ers have been so reliant on their rushing attack, and there's no Depot Samuel. Um, so I, I just don't think they're going to want to put the ball in the air. I mean, you know, the smart game plan would be run the ball, keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands, and don't uh, make Jimmy G have to win the game. So um, that that would be the, uh, the, the game plan I think that the 49ers would like. Now, if he goes over 300 yards... <laughs> I don't think they'll, they'll complain, but uh, I, I'd say it's it's below three ten. Yeah, have they held anyone under three ten this year? What did Kirk I Cousins think, do? I, no, I think Fitzpatrick might have had like two. Oh, no, he, he had, had three hundred. Yeah, dude, everybody's throwing for three hundred under the I Seahawks. think I think everyone has. I think you're right. I it's, don't think it's not it's not great. Uh, all right, Matt, what you got for us in a prediction? Who wins on Sunday? What's the score? You know, I thought that the 49ers would struggle with the Patriots. I mean, that's a cross-country trip. The Patriots had lost two in a row going into that game. They knew Jimmy G as well as anybody, and they got routed. Um, I, I don't like, for, for the Seahawks, I don't like the fact that they played almost a four-hour game the other night. The, the 49ers game was over in 244. It's the <laughs> game I can remember. Um, so, uh, in terms of rest, uh, the 49ers have a bit of an advantage. I don't ever bet against Russell Wilson, however, um, and two in a row, uh, I know that the Seahawks defense is a far cry from what we saw in that 2013 <laughs> championship game, but, um, the 49ers, uh, injury issues are just so deep and they're at spots where Russell Wilson should be able to gouge this team safety cornerback um there's no pass rush whatsoever so um i i I think it'll be a a typical 49ers seahawks game where you know it's a slugfest and it's close but i like russell wilson at the end of this one Oh, man, you guys heard Matt there. It'll be a typical Seahawks game, so have your drink of choice ready, maybe your blood pressure medication as well. It's going to be another stressful game. Thankfully, it's not on primetime. I think Seahawks would lose their freaking minds if they played three straight nail biters uh, in primetime. And just for fact-checking purposes, Kirk Cousins threw for 248. Oh, wow. That was the lowest of the year. Fitzpatrick threw for 312. So he would have hit hit the over, too. Uh, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. That is a homie, Matt Barrows, covers the 49ers for the athletic.
uh go make sure you go cop his book i'm very interested in that sherm section alone uh there it's it's so funny richard sherman even being involved in a book about the 49ers as a 49er like I, it's just it's the evil villain it just crossed crossed over like that's that's great uh matt where can they follow you on twitter as well I'm uh, on at Matt Barrows. Very easy. M A T T B A R R O W S. And are you are you verified on Twitter? Oh yeah, I'm verified. I've been verified since 2007, Mike. Oh wow. I'm so- one of the OGs uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Wow, so it's just just Chris on the show this week. That's not that doesn't have the blue check. It's okay, Chris. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get you there. Uh, thank you guys again for tuning in. We'll catch you guys after uh, Seahawks 49ers on Sunday. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.